Hello world. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. 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 Hi. It's like I've forgotten how to say hello. <laughs> hey, hey, and welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. However you found the show, welcome. I am so glad you're here doing this live thing with me. This is the place where we talk about the messy parts of our journey, where we can come together and bond over the ups and downs of pretty much any career in the business. So imagine the scene. It's Friday and you are in your early 20s strolling the universal back lot with an editor friend who works there. You express a desire to get hired as a PA. He bumps into an old co-worker who mentions there's a position open at his company. Come Monday, you have a job, one that happens to be working for Amblin Entertainment, Steven Spielberg's production company. It sounds like a Hollywood fairy tale, and while it's a very unique, singular experience, it was how Michelle Purple's journey to become a producer began. A classic movie lover who also happens to own a production company with her best friend, Jessica Beale, Michelle's heart and love for this business is truly palpable. She's built an impressive resume working under producer Suzanne Todd. She also ran director Rob Cohen's company as he made the very first Fast and the Furious back in the day. But it was on the film Stealth that she met Jessica Biel and they became fast friends. Together, they launched Iron Ocean Productions with the mission to create original content and a platform that enhances strong female voices. They've been rolling up their sleeves and doing the work for 12 years. So it's no wonder the multi-award nominated The Sinner is now headed to its fourth season on USA. I truly enjoyed having this chat with Michelle. She's such a delight. So tune in as Michelle shines a light on what it's like to work with Jessica, the grief and heartbreak that comes with producing, and how women have evolved in our business. I'm so excited to talk to you. It's such an honor in in like looking you up and doing my little bit of research on you. And you just have such a robust career with how you've gotten to where you are today. So I'd love for you to just take us back to the beginning a little bit, how you found this industry, how you discovered that producing was a thing someone could do. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, for sure. Um, Well, I got into business. My first job was actually for Amblin Entertainment. Yeah. Um, Sort of the DreamWorks Amblin transition time. And I just, I wanted to get in the business. And my mother knew, had a friend who was an editor on a show. And it was just, just happened. I got lucky. I met a guy on a back lot of Universal Studios mm-hmm. walking around and had a job at Amblin on Monday. It was wow. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> are you from here? Are you from LA? I'm from Orange County. I'm from just 45 minutes south. And like, I remember saying to my mom, I want to be in the industry, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. And she had this old friend from high school who was an editor and coach. And he said, come on out. Let me show you around. And no joke, we were walking around the back lot of Universal. And he ran into an employee, an old employee of his who was working in Amblin and was like, you need to hire her. And on Monday, I had a job. Oh, my gosh. For Spielberg, essentially. Right. What was that like? (laughs) It was crazy. Because to be honest, I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be a PA on coach because I knew what coach was. Right. I knew the show. I had seen the show. And he was like, and this guy was like, no, 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 no. It's Katzenberg, Geffen, Spielberg. It's the future. You want to go here. I mean, I was going to be a PA no matter where I was. Right. (laughs) So I worked at Amblin and I had various jobs from like sweeping out the dog pen to, you know, the receptionist at the front desk to filling in on desks. And I, I did that for three years and it was awesome because I got to, be in this sort of dreamlike world at Amblin um, where life is not real, <laughs> um, but get a little yeah. taste, get to set, you know, visit the set of Amistad and, you know, get to have a little taste of it. And then sort of from there, I was like, what do I do next? How do I move up? And cause what happened was with Amblin and DreamWorks is it went from this like growth within small production company, not small production company, but smaller thing to DreamWorks, right. Where, it was more corporate and changed. And sort of, I I sort of realized I had to move out to move up. And so Mm. um, I got a job with team Todd, Jennifer Todd and Suzanne Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Who were really, really great mentors to me Um, being two female producers over 15, 20 years ago, wasn't as heard of as it is today. And so, and they had a female based company and I was Suzanne's assistant and I got to do Memento, Austin Powers, Boiler Room. Incredible. And they were great. You know, I really got to learn from those ladies and it was fantastic. And then it was like, okay, where do I go from here? 
And I went to run a director's company and I went and worked for Rob Cohen. And I did the first Fast and Furious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> self where I met Jessica Beale. Amazing. So that was sort of my journey. And, and along the journey, I, I remember not knowing what I wanted to do. Like, I didn't know. I knew I didn't want to be a director and I knew I didn't want to be a writer. There was a moment of like, do I want to be a casting director? And I remember interning in a casting office and being like, no, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember faces and names. Yeah. And I just, it wasn't for me. And I just, after working for the Todd, I realized what I love about a project is finding an article or book, mm -hmm. bringing it to the table, putting it together, sending it off to college. You know what I yeah. mean? I love that yeah, yeah. whole journey. So, um, and then after working for Rob, making big action movies, I met Jessica and we started our conversation. Nice. How did you know you were prepared to, when you made these transitions from Amblin to Suzanne and then to Rob's company, were you deliberately saying, okay, like, I only want to be at these places for three to four years. I want to learn as much as I can and then jump to this next thing and learn this other side. Like how much of that was constructed by you or was it just the timing of opportunities coming your way? I think it was a little bit of both. I'm very, I worked very, I work very instinctually, right? And I don't want to ever overstay my welcome. Mm. I want to, you know, and I, I feel like with the Todd's journey, it was, it was just time. Like I was ready to move up. They didn't have a position and this opportunity came. And I also wanted to be on set with a director and, you know, I'm married to a director. I worked for a director. I really, it really gives me a, uh, I appreciate what they do and what, and, and what they bring to the table. Yeah. And it was nice. I wanted to see all ends of the, the spectrum, right? I wanted, I've been able to be in sort of with DreamWorks, the, the studio or production side. I've been able, so I, I wanted to just educate myself as much as possible so that when the opportunity, when Jessica came to me about starting the company, I was prepared. I mean, I didn't know that was going to happen, but I was prepared for it. So I think it was a little bit of both. And just wanting to keep moving forward in this journey. And that's why before I started the company with Jessica, I did the last movie stealth with Rob. And I realized then I was going to go to a studio because, you know, that's what you do. You sort of do this thing. And I remember meeting with studios to go be an executive and having this like aha moment of what I just said is that's not me. I don't, I, I want, I like the whole process, you know, and I love being on set. And then I love being in the office and I love being on set and with, with an executive, you don't get that as much. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. You're overseeing over here. And so we met on stealth. We became very fast friends even. And it was what was nice about that. We were on this very male-driven movie and set. And we were, you know, we're, I'm a little older than her. <laughs> a little. And so we got to watch movies together. That's what we did in Australia while shooting stealth. Is we watched movies together and we'd talk about them. And then when we came home, she came to me and she was like, I want to start a company with you. I want to take control of my career. And I was like, no, <laughs> I didn't want to be her friend that wanted to produce. Mm. I had done it for too long. I was nervous of an actor based company at the time. And you know, we've had the company for over 12 years and not pe many people know that. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about this, this concept, right, of actor-based production companies? Because I know there's a lot of them, and sometimes they do get a bad rep for being vanity companies, for actors who don't really want to produce, they just want to have a place. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different intention, right? But but it seems like a lot of the the producers that I have come in contact with who do end up working and, and uh, finding a partnership in an actor-driven company they they tend to be very aligned about what their goals are. And it's very different than it being this more quote unquote vanity company. So can you just speak a little bit yeah. to that misconception that people have and, and the realities of it? For sure. Well, that's a really good question. And I think it's changed from when we started our company to today. Because I think 12 years ago, besides Drew and a couple of them, Drew Barrymore and her company and there was only a few that were, they were vanity. I feel a lot of them were that. And that's what I was nervous about. Yeah. And so, and I and literally, when I sat down with Jessica at first, I kind of said no to her because I was a little nervous. And then when I, when I agreed to it, I said, you have to read, write, do notes. We can't do everything just for you. But it did take a while for the industry. I mean, obviously if she's in it and she's attached, it is easier to move things forward, move right. the ball forward. But, 
that's not just what we're out set to we're, we're set out to do. And she, it's not what she wants to do. You know, we've been lucky enough to, uh, to develop this project with Freeform in E1 called Cruel Summer. Yeah, it looks really cool. Which is, you know, female. It's really cool. We're super excited about it. And she's not in it, you yeah. know, and it's just uh, what we love, our brand. And um, so I think that, like I said, I think the actor-based company Sigma has changed a little bit because there are so many and you and actors realize they have to take the career into their own hands. Yes, exactly. I think it's the the awareness of the the amount of power that you get to have and control you get to have of the kinds of stories you want to be responsible for putting out into the into the world sure. whether or not you're an actor in them and I think there's been this massive shift I would say since the Me Too movement, especially since like Reese launched her company and went out and really put her money where her mouth was and really just saying, this needs to change. And we keep looking around waiting for someone else to do it. We have to do it. Um, And I I think we're living in this incredible time as much as there's a lot of uh, uncertainty in our industry and in our world right now. I also think we're in the middle of a renaissance of sorts. And I'm very excited to see what's on the other side of this moment that we're living. For sure. And it's been interesting for Jessica, for her, what she said to me is she gets to be part of a project. You know, she, she, we optioned the book of Sinner and developed it with the writer, Derek Simons. And, you know, before she got to shoot a scene, she had known that character for many, many years or a movie and not have that time to sit with the characters and the story. So for her as an actress, she says it's been the most beneficial thing. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a very different way of working. And I think it's way more organic and yields better results all in because everybody is invested in a different way, you know, from early on in the project. I think it's awesome. You know, having come up working with people like Spielberg and the Todds and a lot of these sort of writer director focused companies, what perspective do you think working with an actor first who is now putting on a producer hat what is like the unique perspective you think she brings into the process? One of the biggest things we joke about is the way she reads things is so different than the way I read things, right? We have a very similar sensibility. We like the same thing. So that works for us in our company. But the way I read things, I look at like, who's going to see this? Who's going to buy it? Who's going to, you know, how, are we, how much is it going to cost? Who's going to be in it? Like I have these bigger things and she'll be like, this character, she looked at it very different. And even was, I'll, I'll, I'll question her on like a scene of something we're developing. And she's like, you're reading it wrong. Let, let, let me read it to you. And mm. all, you know, I'm very dramatic and over the top being not the actor in the company. <laughs> and I'll be like, where are you going, Johnny? And she's like, no, 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 no. That's not how the actor's going to say it. The actor's going to say it. Johnny, where are you going? You know what I mean? And so yeah, I look at the bigger picture and she looks at the very tiny detail sometimes which I will until later will skip over so it's given me a different perspective and and the same thing also going back to the actor-based company is she has a brand right or an image or whatever we want to call it that we have to sort of speak to whatever that is Um, whereas if you and I were partners or you know I was partners with my husband or something Mm -hmm we could produce a lot of different things where with her, it's very, we have, there's a sandbox. Yeah. Yeah, There's a Jessica Biel sandbox and you kind of have to stay within that sandbox. But, but to your point as Jessica Biel, the producer and as a company, you guys get to venture out a little bit from that sandbox every time until you do something that's, you know, our industry is crazy like this. You do something that's totally out of left field and they're like, I can't believe this was blah, blah, blah. And now that's like your sandbox has just gotten that much bigger, you know, once you get to take those creative risks and, they pan out. <laughs> it's really funny about our business in the boxes because, you know, she came obviously from TV, as you know, and mm-hmm. and all she was doing, she was doing the action-based movie and nobody wanted her to see her do anything but that for so long. And then Sinner came around. And, yeah. and then for so long, all we got were Sinner-like material, right? <laughs> like, yeah. wait, 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 wait. We can do other things. And so now we're trying to, you know, line town Sinner sort of the dark. Yeah. And so it's like, we're always trying to go in the different directions. So we don't want to, and, and it's funny when we started the company, I remember the representation we had, they wanted us to do what Drew and Nancy were doing with Flower Films, which we love mm-hmm. and it's great, but it's not our sensibility. Where do you think this phenomenon comes from? Like everybody understands the boxes exist and everybody understands that 
we're all capable than doing more than whatever this proverbial box allows us to. We all know that we all talk about it. But then when it comes to actually doing it, there's this block. And and it's interesting. Is that do you think that that is the business side and, and sort of the risk averse side of the business? I do. I think it's a, it's about a safety net, like hedging your bets on, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Jessica could do this. So we're going to keep her. It's like Jim Carrey. Everybody, it took a hard time. He's an amazing actor and, and so much more versatile than people, but they wanted him in his lane, you know? So yeah. I think it's comfort zone. And there's no rhyme or reason to our business. <laughs> I know. It's right? insane. <laughs> there are things I've worked on that I was like, this is going to be huge. And then there's things I worked on where I was like, is this shit? Is this shit? And is then they're the they're biggest. Massive, I didn't think yeah. this was the first Fast and Furious, but it was like this baby movie. I mean, it was like a $40 million movie for Universal, but never in a million years when we were shooting that with Paul and Vin and young actors and gritty LA, <laughs> did we think it was going to become what it became? Yeah. Right? There's no rhyme or reason. So I think a lot of times people fall back on they hope for predictability and taking chances is just scary in our business. But it's, of course, as creative, that's all we want to do is feel something different, do something different, be challenged differently. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting business that attracts a very uh, unique kind of, yeah, <laughs> kinds of unique kinds of people that are definitely like to thrive in chaos sure. and play in a playground where like, you know, there are no rules, but there are rules, but you don't really learn the rules until you get on the thing. You're like, Oh, okay, you know, yeah. So then once you decided you went, you know, you saw what the executive world would present to you. And you said, No, that's not really me. Like, I want to be the kind of producer who can be on set and offset in an office. What was that moment clear for you then of like, ah, this is what a producer does. And if so, how do you define it? What does a producer do? Well, that's the greatest question because people ask me and all the time, what what is it you do? And what I do for one project, is it necessarily what I do for another project? I mean, there's some definitely some themes along the way. Yeah. You know, my role sort of shifts a little bit depending on, you know, whether it's television or feature or podcast or reality. And I mean, it's just, you know, there's not just like, here's what you do and here's how you do it. I mean, director has that more, but then a director for television is in ways different than a director for a feature. There's that also, Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, you just... (laughs) Sorry, I lost my train of thought now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a question that that is why I have this podcast, right? Is uh-huh. because similar to you, I spend most of my time explaining what I do as a producer, even within the industry to other people in the industry. Like, And it's always changing. And I, I think it's why yeah. the kinds of people who are drawn to producing love it so much is because you can't really define it. <laughs> it's kind of like whatever the project needs at whatever thing. And then if you don't know what the thing is, you just kind of figure it out because you have that curiosity for learning new things all the time and you're not thrown off your center, right? I'm sure like when you went into the podcast world of adapting um, Limetown, you were probably like, oh, I don't know how to do this, right? To an extent, but you figure it out. You just figure it out along the way. Yeah, it's a lot of what I found. It's a lot of managing, right? You're managing the network and studio or the production, co- you know, you're, you're managing the director or the showrunner and making sure everybody's getting what they need, but also working within this box that we have to work with. I think one of the biggest weirdness for me was when I, because I came from the feature world, right? And the producer and the director were like on the ground together. I was, or for me, like right next to my director, I was their support. And when I moved into television and you have a showrunner, and a director and you're like, wait, what about me? Where's my role? And had to redefine <laughs> that my role within television. I mean, you know, obviously we have a lot to do with the yeah. hiring of the writer's room and directors and crew and obviously development of scripts. But I was so used in the feature world being that number two to the director and that sort of feeling mm-hmm. you have to like, you know, you have a showrunner who it's their vision and their show, but you have the director and sort of redefining what your role right. is in that. And then even, like I said, from Sinner season one to Limetown to Cruel Summer to now season, we're going on season four, my roles are different. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. That's awesome. And what I bring to the table is different. I mean, like I said, there's still some 
similar scenes along the way of hiring a writer's room, hiring directors, yeah. things like that. But like, I'm not on set every day on season three, like I was on season one of Sinner, because I have other, obviously other projects going. And, you know, it's become more of a machine that doesn't need me there on a day to day basis. And do you like that? Do you like it when something no. you've, you've created? Because <laughs> some people, you know, want to be able to have the baby grow up, go to college and check in during the holidays. Like that's all they want. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with it. I mean, because I have to. I'm, yeah. you know, I, <laughs> Jessica and I are two people. We can only be in so many places at once. And I, and I don't want to be somewhere I'm not needed. Like, and if there's a problem, I'm available or, you know, you always, you visit, but it was uncomfortable for me because I'm such a hands-on person and hands-on producer that even season two, where I was still very much involved in the production, I'm talking about the production part, the shooting, not being there in the daily conversations. I feel I had a little FOMO. Like I want to be there. Yeah. And I've learned yeah. from other fellow producers that have been doing this, that that's the goal, right? And to remember that, but that's just not the way. It goes back to both Jessica and I. I mean, when I say both of us, we both read, write, do notes. We have to both be completely invested in a project. Otherwise, it's not worth our time, yeah. our energy. Because you know, these pro- some of our projects have taken seven, eight years to get to the table. Yeah. So we have to love it. <laughs> and I think it's an important note to highlight for people listening that sometimes there's this perception that, oh, you have a first look deal and you have Jessica Beal and you have all these elements and thus it's just the floodgates open and it's no. so easy to get anything done. And I think it's no matter who you are or where you are in the process of your journey, it really is the more I talk to people like yourself who are light years ahead of where I'm at. It's like we all have the same struggles with how much passion and energy it takes to get anything done. You know, it, well, it, the best thing that just kind of hear lately is like, congratulations on all your success. And we're like, we've been doing this 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. It yep. took, correct me on my math. I don't know what year I'm in right now. But <laughs> 2020 was our sort of changing yeah. for our, our, our company, obviously. But we've been doing this so long, so much so that when we were out pitching it, I remember we were in the parking lot at NBC Universal and I looked at her and I was like, if this doesn't sell and we don't make this and it doesn't work, I think I'm done because I just don't know anymore. You know, we had gotten to the table and then it would go away. We got to the table and it'd go away. We just couldn't break that wall. And I really meant it because I felt like I was on this treadmill and I wasn't satisfied. And I don't think she was either because we couldn't get, I mean, with an actor-based company, we had deals before, like, it's hard to get anything made. And that's why when people trash things somebody made, you're like, a critic or something, you're like, come on, you have no idea the blood, sweat, and tears. It's a miracle. (laughs) Yeah. Just to get it made. But I I did. I said to Jess, I was like, if this doesn't go and this doesn't work, I think I think we have to do something else. You didn't mean you were done in terms of the the business or the company you just met with that particular project? I was just like, we may need to just rethink things. Mm-hmm. I was also like, maybe I'll go sell real estate. I, I mean, know. look, <laughs> you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I think every producer I've spoken to either personally, privately with a lot of wine involved or here on the podcast, like yeah. there is this same feeling because it is so freaking hard and you're constantly pushing boulders uphill, which is why I'm so fascinated why? Why then do we keep going? Why do you keep going? Because it feels so good when it works. <laughs> and there's, it feels so good. We were supposed to be shooting a show right when COVID happened. And now we don't know when we're going to be up and running. And yeah. I love being on set. I love the energy. I love people. I love being creative and problem solving in their stressful times. There's such an energy to it or an energy to share like how we did with Sinner and but then in the same sense, it could, you have only so much control. You know, we made the show Limetown for Facebook Watch, which I'm so proud yeah. of. I think Becca Thomas, the director, did an amazing job. Unfortunately, I the platform didn't yeah. push it. And I've learned new lessons from that. Like there's this new day and age of all these platforms. And yeah. though you have a lot more to sell to and a lot of exposure, you could have a lot of exposure. You could also just get lost. Right. And the le- so it can also really break your heart because you've worked years and fought the battles with the networks and studios and, you know, fought the hour, the shooting hours and location issues and financial issues to just have it kind of go away. 
breaks your heart just as much. Yeah. So it's like these love affairs. Like, is it worth the love? It is because you at least have the feeling, but then you sometimes get your heart broken. <laughs> yeah, and you keep coming back for more. You I do. There's another producer I spoke to that talks about the tremendous amount of grief that exists in our business that is never really acknowledged with like the loss of projects, the loss yeah. of relationships, the loss of, you know, fill in the blank. And it, it is such an emotional business. It's kind of out of control. And I, I think sometimes, especially for producers, to your point, because you're taking so much on for so many different projects on top of trying to have your own personal feelings and a life outside of it to navigate that if you don't find healthy ways to cope and self-care and all of this, you burn out. And I think you become quite cynical because you have to have those pockets of, like you said, I'm going to burn it all to the ground. I'm going to leave it behind. This sucks, right? (laughs) And then calm down and take your minute and take whatever time you need. And then you come back in because like you said, there's still something about it that is extremely gratifying. And I also think it's such an honor, you know, to get to live in a time where I think so many women have helped pave the roads, speak for myself, to get us to a point where we are now at this moment in time where these kinds of conversations can be had and these kinds of stories can be taken seriously Mm -hmm. and made and well-received. And we have fought for so long to get here that it's like, I'll be damned if they kick me out, you know, like I am here to stay and I want to be a part of shaping this next whatever is of of history that we're living in through art because we really get to impact and influence people's perspectives and ideas based on the stories we choose to tell. Yeah. And I've noticed just in the 20 years I've been in this business, how it's changed as a female, Mm. you know, and how at one point you're, you're, I didn't feel heard, you know, even though I know what I'm doing. I, I, or at least Neil Moritz, this producer I worked with on uh, a couple of big movies, who's a big producer. I remember me, uh, I was battling with the director over a scene and just creatively. And, and Neil said to me, he goes, the only thing you have in this business is your opinion, right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. All you have is your opinion. And it's something I've, Cause there is no right or wrong. Like it goes back to, we don't know what's going to work. We don't know what's not going to work. Like you can try to, you know, yeah. carve out this journey and become, you know, if you're an actress, the biggest actor in the world, but there, there is no sense to what we do and what's going to work, I, but you have to stay true to yourself. But I have noticed for, as a female in this business, how I've been perceived differently, even before center and our success, just to meet how the shift changed where it's like, Oh, sweet little girls wanting to go produce. Yeah. You know, and just that dialogue changing. Cause even when Jessica and I started the company, some people that surrounded us and our representation was sort of told us not to. Yeah. A little pat on the head, you know, Aww. it was a little pat on the head. And, yeah. and if you've ever met my partner, you do not talk on. I haven't met Jessica, <laughs> but she could kick, she could kick your ass. I don't, I don't want to mess with that. She's got some cojones. She's very strong. <laughs> yeah, she's scary. Yeah, she's a very, very strong girl. But um, and going back to your point uh, about loss in a project, I remember when we moved from features to television, we had set up a show and developing, 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 and it was either going to go to pilot or not. And they decided not to. And realizing, wait, that's wait, it. It yeah. just goes away. Like that's it. We're done. Whereas with features, you know, you can keep for years and decades pushing it up the hill, pushing it up the hill, pushing it up, letting it go for a while, pushing up the hill. And I was like, there was a real loss, which I didn't get back then that I've learned to come very comfortable with. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I think the years and the longevity in the business kind of gives you the gift of time and perspective in hindsight and all of that. But like, I, I am so young still in my career, but I have been here for 10 years, like autism and love production for that was like 2012, 2013, I think. Wow. You know, and it was a very quick jolt of a doc that just was like nine months of production. We got all this incredible footage. We were picture locked within a year. It was like just a unique project. Um, but but that really, I would say, you know, 2010 is when I produced my first play. And that was like what set me on this journey. And so that has been 10 years. And so I have run myself through the gamut of like, Oh, okay, what's another decade of this looks like, you know, and so I'm very yeah. impressed and 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 admi- admired the people who have stuck it out like yourself and have been able to find 
tremendous success, but also seemingly be a good person with integrity through it all, because that's more important, you know, <laughs> than, than all the yeah, other stuff. For sure. I think the the big thing for Jessica and I is we, we have a good time. I get to, I mean, I feel, I remember when we were editing um, Limetown, we were an editorial, you know, nine to seven every day. It was a quick turnaround and, you know, we drive together <laughs> to work, get our coffee and drive back. And I remember she and I driving back one day and we were stuck in traffic on Barham and she looked at me and she goes, I'm so grateful. Like I get to work with my best friend. Yeah. We get to be creative and it's fun. Like as stressful as times can be, like I'm, we're both live in a place of grateful and we're also not going to work with, it's not worth our time or energy to work with horrible people. Amen. It's just not. That's right. It's just life is too short. And if you come on our set, any of our sets and you'll see, you know, she knows every name on set and Stanley Tucci knew every name on set and everyone is engaged. Cause I do think it's a, a trickle down effect, you know, mm-hmm. 100%. If, if the people at the top are vibrating and, and at a level of discomfort, you're going to just feel it down. And yeah, I, I would hope that anyone you speak to that has worked with us, we like to have fun. Of course, like I said, there's stressful times, of course, but yeah. we, we do it with hopefully grace and a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the right approach. You know, any set that can be treated with, we take the work seriously, but it's coming from a place of love and not a place of fear and it's support and collaboration. And we understand that we're all a part of the process. You know, everybody's got their part to play. It's not all about the actors, all about the director, all about the people that are more visible to the project, right? And tend to get that audience immediate recognition that it's really all about the collective. And I always like to say, I came up in physical production and, and line producing. And so Really, the only thing you can control is the experience and the journey of the production, because as you probably know, you can have all the right elements, all the right things, all of that, which is already a miracle onto itself, and then still not get something that works for whatever reason in the edit or doesn't really land with the audiences. And it is disappointing, of course, because I don't think anyone sets out to do anything and is like, oh, I'm, well, you gotta probably fail. You know, yeah. like you kind of. <laughs> we mentioned it crap and it for not to resonate and work. <laughs> I always think of that movie Aloha from a few years back. Remember that movie? And it was like, wow, like incredible actors, incredible director had all of the things to be like a hit. And it just just didn't work, you know, and and for whatever reasons that we don't need to get into. But like, it's just so fascinating to me that I hope that at least the experience of making that movie for everybody involved was worth it because all they can control is that journey and the ride. And so then if that is all we have, how are you going to show up and who are you going to be? And that's like what I preach. I'm on a mission to like, remind people of that and use this podcast to to remind people coming up people who are at my level and everybody in between that it is possible to to create and work from this place and not have to be a you know a tyrant no. on set and and really create something that's that you're really proud of yeah no and and i come from a place of like i want to i want to get you what you want i want i want everybody to happy but we may have to sacrifice over here like you know if a director wants them yeah. yeah so i don't want to be a no person i want to be a yes let's figure it out and that's sort of where I come from. And I think a lot of it too comes yeah. from working for a director, being married to a director. I, yes. I try to protect their vision, but understand that we also have to protect the vision and the, and the needs of who's paying for it. So it's yes. balancing those it's, two out. And when you ask about producing, it's about managing and making sure everybody feels like they're getting what they want <laughs> and stay true to the yes. project, <laughs> you know, including yourself. So that's yeah. a big thing for me. Too. Yeah. What do you think are some misconceptions that people have about producers? That we make a lot of money. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> no, there, I know there's the potential of it, but you know, every, everyone looks at me and go like, you guys must be rich. And I was like, I mean, we could pay our bills. Yeah. No, but it, I, I get to sit behind my monitor with my cappuccino and, <laughs> um, and, and trust me, there are those days that are really fun and there's no stress going on. But um, there are those days where you're, you feel like you can't win and you're spinning in circles and you're failing everybody. Yeah. I think that's a big misconception. And that you said, even like with actor-based companies, there's no guarantees on anything. I look at things, I'm like, this is a no-brainer. This project, these attachments, and no one buys it. You're like, what? I don't get it. You know, and, and the industry has changed yeah. so much. And even buyers, within years change so much. So you're always sort of chasing 
you know, what are they looking for? But okay, then now they're no longer looking for female driven action that they're looking for romance, and you know, right, forever changing. And what you and I said earlier, our job is not just one thing. It's, it's many, many things. And it's forever changing. And it's different on every project. And even on the same project could shift. Yeah. So what is it that you do for your soul to fill your own well, when you feel depleted, from all of the things that you know, you've been doing this for 20 years now. So I can imagine the ups and downs you have felt um, throughout your journey. So what is it that has kept you going? Even before Jessica, even before you got to this place where you are now? Yeah, you know, the big thing my husband and I do a lot is we watch old movies. Yeah. And I love to get lost and to feel and to be inspired. I feel like older movies do that for me. And it could be Sophie's choice to Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. There's nothing like sitting down and watching a movie like Shawshank Redemption or Jaws that you've seen hundreds of times. I've seen hundreds of times those movies. And to this day, could sit down 20 minutes in, an hour in, and still get lost in. And that inspires me. I get butterflies because it's romance or emotional because it's sad. I love that feeling like of just, or how about when you get into a show and you cannot wait till the next episode where you just want to devour it. There's nothing like that. Like it's, it's, it's exciting to me. And I want to create that for other people. When somebody yeah. comes to me and it was like, I'm love sinner. And this is what I loved about it. And, you know, it's hard because after you've read it so many times and watched it so many times in editorial and lived with it for so many years you're like there comes a point where you're like is it good yeah is it good yeah I yeah. can't tell if it's good anymore because you just become desensitized a little yeah. bit and then when somebody comes to you and says this made me feel oh my gosh I got chills when this happened you're like that's exciting it that's what inspires me a lot is yeah. going back to what made me originally want to get into this is older movies and getting the input and feedback when something resonates with somebody because you're seeking that constantly. Yeah. And so then when you have gone through these periods, I guess, or have you gone through periods of your career, of your journey where things for you personally with your goals and where you wanted to be weren't really aligning and you felt this frustration and how how did you navigate those transitions? Like I said, the first nine years of our company was pretty tough. You know, Jessica was in transition as an actress trying to transition from like, you know, action girl being taken serious as an actress. And we were trying to, the one we met on this movie called self and, and it was, it's a, it's not our sensibility. And I remember when we started the company, the agreement was we're only going to develop things that we both love and are a hundred percent behind because, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, why why do anything else? Which could we have jumped on projects in those first nine years and she was in it and we could have done all that. But I was very adamant about not doing that. I really wanted the things that we developed and were part of ours. And so it took us a little longer, obviously. And But those first nine years, I mean, I really, because I had early success in the sense of work for Amblin, work for the Todd, work for Rob, when Fast and Furious came out, and then all of a sudden we started this company, and though we had some early, you know, m- momentum, we froze mm. for some years, and it was debilitating because I wasn't used to that. Right, I'm in my 30s, and I'd had been successful moving up in this business, and I felt like a failure. Like, what are we doing? And that's sort of what I what happened with when we were pitching the center because. I I truly, I, I didn't think, I, I, I bet if I look back, I probably wouldn't have left because I'm just not that type of person to ever give up. I would be 99 <laughs> going, I'm going to produce this movie if it kills me. But <laughs> there were definitely years. And the only thing I could say I go back to, is, you know, Jessica and I would watch a movie or my husband and I would watch a movie. And then it just and makes me feel, and then I'd be like, okay, we're going to do this again. We're going to do this again. Yeah. But the other, in the same sentence, no matter how much, like, I still don't feel successful. I'm still not where I want to be. I'm still, like, I don't know if I ever will be. And somebody just recently yeah. said to me, people, they're, I, I don't know if it's because we love the pain and the, and the glory and the, and the fight, but I don't know what that would be for me to say, you know what? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm successful. Like, Jessica and I still feel like two little kids on a set producing movies and like, 
why are they letting us do this? Mm. <laughs> who, who, who signed off on this? You know? But. Yeah. Where is it then that you want to be? Like, could you even describe it? Um, I mean, I want things easier to get made. <laughs> I just want to, yes. you know, I, I want them to buy it in the room. That would be the first best step. Cause that, yes. that, that's only happened once for us. And it's a really good feeling when they buy it in the room. Um, Jessica and I have spoke about this, you know, we're expanding the company and we have a deal now at Paramount, you know, to have, I don't, we're not about quantity. We want to do quality. I'd rather have three great shows on the air that are really resonating and maybe not as, I know nobody wants to hear this, not as, you know, big as whatever, you know, something huge, uh, but something that's just resonating with a core audience, you know, and I love features. We will always continue to fight the fight for features, mm-hmm. whether they're in the theaters or not. And it looks like it's having a resurgence of, with the streaming. More features will be coming back. Yeah, You know, I just want to continue to be able to tell stories, but I'd like for it not to take seven years. I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the clock is ticking. So, but just when you give up hope, I say that, that one of the best stories I have, and I can only give so much context because we haven't released it yet, but there's a project that we started developing I want to say eight years ago with a writer. It was this big idea. And no, we went to three places to sell it. And I remember after the third going, no one's going to buy this. We don't have a big enough, we don't have enough power. It's not, no one's ready for something like this. Seven years later, after Sinner, I was just, I said, we need to re-engage on this project. We re-engaged with the writer. We now have one of the biggest directors of our time attached and is developing and directing it with us. And seven, eight years ago. So yeah. it shows you sometimes if you're patient, it will pay off. But I also have projects that I'm still very patient with that haven't paid off or doesn't look like it's yeah. going to pay off. <laughs> Maybe in 20 yeah. years. So I think the biggest thing is if, if things could just move a little bit quicker in this process would make it a lot more satisfying. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> you would think it could be would be possible with the streamers now existing, but still feels like, you know, p- it, pulling teeth a little bit. <laughs> it is. It is. And yeah. you know, and like I said, you have and the lessons I've learned, I'm learning along the way is, you know, some of these streamers are gonna stay and last and some of them are gonna go away. And how is it going to evolve? And we don't know yet. Right. And yeah. like the hardest thing to do is to put your heart and soul into something and never really see the light of day. And because you just want people to see it because you're proud of it. So th- I feel like the next couple of years, especially with what's going on in the current climate, we'll be telling on how, where everything lands and who's going to stick around and, and how it's all going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> True. I wanted to ask you what a two year first look deal with Paramount Television Studios means. Like there's so many different types of deals. We read about them in the trades. So, can you describe a little bit how it actually works and what are those realities of yes. having that pressure, I would imagine? For sure. So just to give you a little context, so we had a deal a couple of years ago and it was great and we were able to make center through that. And, but it was, like I said, it was our first step into television and it was a, a learning curve. And and then for a couple of years, we were out on our own, which was kind of nice because, you know, we were generating our own material and we could sell it anywhere. We could go anywhere. We could, you know, do a lot of different things. And then um, about the end of last year, we sort of like, this is a good time to, to sort of have a home. Because when we have a book, we want to option. It's nice to have a partner at the beginning mm. to get on board, option the book with us, find the writer with us and sort of, you know, a studio along the way. And we went, we met with a lot of different um, places. And when we met with Paramount, it was um, Nicole Clemens. And I've known her for years and we were like, it just felt right. Like these women were out to do what we're looking to do. They wanted to support us in the way. And so our first, it's a first look deal, but it was funny. So the deal closed in December and literally I was like, you know, my, my type A personality stress radar went up because you, I want to service that deal. I'm not the type of person to not do what's asked of me. Like I couldn't just sit back. So, you know, they have a slot in in the first book deal where Mm -hmm. we can bring them books and articles, but they can also bring us books, articles, hook us up with writers they have deals with. So it's a nice partnership. And um, we're now six months in, but in a weird time, they've optioned a book that we brought to them. We're now attached producing a book they brought to us, you know, and it's a constant conversation of like, what are we all looking to do together? So it's just, a, it's a first look, meaning I could go, if I bring them something and they pass, 
I could go bring it somewhere else. Most likely I wouldn't because I really want to put my energies into this deal and into servicing, you know, the opportunities they're giving us. So, um, yeah. like I said, it's been a, it's been a really fun experience with them. And, and the only thing with COVID, it's a little hard because you're like, are people buying? Are people not buying? Do you, do you wait to go out with things? But yeah, so it's a, it's a, just sort of a, like a relationship. And yeah. the greatest thing that just recently happened was, um, or not recently, but when I say Jessica, the hands-on producer, we were at a wedding a year ago and a friend's wedding and her, she was marrying a, a woman who was a book author. And so there was a lot of book authors there of her friend group. And I jokingly said to Jess, at the reception, I need some books to option. And <laughs> Saturday night at the reception, a couple cocktails in, Jessica comes walking up with this woman and she was like, we're going to option her book. And I'm like, okay, calm down, calm down. Like, let's, let's and Jessica's like, picture the book, picture the book. And this, I'm looking at this woman. I was like, you don't have to pitch me your book right now. We're good. We're good. Like and it's the wedding. Yeah. It's, I'm at a reception. I've had a couple of tequilas. <laughs> I'm dancing, you know, the night. Away. Okay. We'll talk in the morning. And lo and behold, Paramount has now optioned that woman's book for us. So, Oh my God. What a cool story. There's just been a lot of times, you know, Jessica and I, having a studio helps give you streamline a little bit because I, re- like I said, I want to service that deal. I want to, um, you know, focus in on that. So if they're not feeling something and it's not a hundred percent, cause I can also float an article their way. And we're like, we think there's something here. And, you know, they can come back with like, mm, there's not enough for us to come back with it. Or we, it, we could take that time and sort of move away from it if need be. Interesting. It's very interesting how it all actually works because I think we can, perceive stuff very differently from the realities. And this is why I like to have these conversations. You know, it's it's always so different. And <laughs> as someone who aspires to have that, you know, yeah. experience one day in my career to have a first look deal, it's just fascinating because it's there's not really a place you can go to to kind of Google what does it actually mean to have this experience? You know what I mean? Like that that information is kept so under wraps that it's um it's really cool to hear it from someone totally. like on the inside. Yeah. It's Jessica and, and I and an executive and an assistant. I mean, we are a small company. We don't have a crew of people reading every book out there and knowing every writer. And But Paramount does. Yeah. You know, they have right. department after department and they have, you know, access to so much more than we do. So we can utilize that. There's only so much we can do. So that's the other part that's really beneficial in having a deal is that you have a teammate. <laughs> you got to have the right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's the thing I've heard is like, if you are not partnered with the right people who share your vision and your enthusiasm, it doesn't matter what actor, what company, what deals, like it's just, it's already hard enough, yep. right? So it's only going to be that much harder, if not impossible, dare yeah. I say it. And even if you get anything through the pipeline, I think it's still, again, to speak to that experience, well, what kind of experience is this journey going to be if you're not really aligned with your why you're there making mm-hmm. it in the first place? So so it's very nice to hear that, you know, this this is such a labor of love for you guys <laughs> having this company and you're such close friends. You can, I can tell from how you speak about it there's this love for each other as as artists as collaborators and and I just want more of that in our industry yeah I think it's awesome where did the name of the company come from people ask us a lot so we could not come up with a company name when you started this company and everything either came off silly or sexual <laughs> so like we literally could not we'd come up with the name and we would go tell you know uh somebody and they'd be like you can't you can't be named that. Or it was taken. And I got to, we needed a name for a deal. And I was like, I, I don't even care anymore. Please somebody come up with a name. And her father was like, I'm a, from Orange County. I'm a surfer. I'm a son. I'm an ocean girl. And she's from the Colorado Iron Flats. And her father was like, what about Iron Ocean? It's strong. It speaks to both of you. And I was like, great. Done. <laughs> and it stuck. So we were like, Iron Ocean Films it is. And nobody had had it, had taken it. So we could get the LLC and all the <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, I mean, we are getting close to ending here, which is so sad. I'm like, I could talk to you forever. But I did want to ask, you know, the advice question. If you have advice for anyone listening, there's a myriad of people who yearn to be producers, um, producers as well, uh, who listen to the show. And then a lot of just 
artists, people who want deeper understanding of what we do as producers. So what advice would you have for those listening who want to have better depth of the world that we live in, but but also who maybe want to mirror some of your career choices? That's a really good question. And my feeling is you have to, you can't just be a producer. You have to know what the role of the director is and what the role of the writer is and sort of put your, your, yourself in their shoes. And when Jessica and I started the company, before we did anything, we, we produced this little short film called Hole in the Paper Sky because I wanted to make sure she was as in, like understood what it was smart on a different level than as an actress who goes back to her trailer and comes out when they need her and goes back to her trailer. And I, you can ask her when we shot that, I made her push a dolly. <laughs> I made her make coffee. I made her walk up traffic. I did none of this, but I made her do it. <laughs> I love it. But I think it's important to go be a PA on a on a set and or you know go into a department and see what they do, the wardrobe department, the makeup department, because I you can't just be a producer to understand the whole picture because you're overseeing the whole picture. So as more as the most you can even like get into the shoes of whether it's what the caterer is doing, like try to understand what every department is doing and you'll do your job better. Right. So um, that would be my advice to anybody is yeah. try to intern on a set, be on a set. And it's sometimes good to learn what you're not good at and what you are good at. And that's the only way so. you learn is by putting yourself in the environment. So I totally hear that. Yeah. Final question. What is the legacy you hope to leave behind? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a a question I've never been asked. Um, I want people to walk away from the experience with us saying we we delivered a great show. We had, but we had a good time. You know, I, I, that's, that's, if somebody talks about, like I said, being on our set, like I'm, I'm big on playing music at video village and having the crew dance while we're doing a new setup because it just brings an energy to a long day and who doesn't get excited when you hear some good music. So I think for me, you know, I want the material to be amazing and I of course want it to be seen and, and, and loved, but I want the experience to be, because to, I, like, as you said earlier, that's what you're going to walk away from. You can't control how it, yeah. when it's released, how it's released, how people respond to it. But if the experience was good and you had a good time and you felt respected and you felt like you were appreciated for your job, by Jessica, by me, by the people that, you know, you're helping put this together with, that's important. I I, I would hope that if somebody asked, what is it like working with Iron Ocean Films, they wouldn't say it was a nightmare. That's sort of my hope. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful hope. And I I have never heard anything negative. I've, I don't know anyone who's worked on any of the shows, <laughs> but I'm sure if our paths cross, I will only hear positive things. And I hope they do. I hope they do. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's stresses and stuff. Production can be crazy. But you know, you know, when it's like, this is just a stressful moment. Everybody's navigating through versus like, oh, this is just how these people operate. Yeah. I've been on those sets. I have almost left the business because of those sets. And that's why I have made it my life's mission with the little bit of power I get to have and the control I get to have of my own sets and who I get to bring into close proximity to go on this journey. I I very much subscribe to that mentality as well. And I think it's important and it's all we have. And so thank you so much for this has been so wonderful. Thank you. I'm so grateful. So nice meeting you. And I hope to meet you in person. I know it'd be lovely to do a drink or something whenever the world opens back up. And that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you don't already, please subscribe, rate, review on Apple, on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. Follow me on the socials. I'm at Carolina Gropa. The show's at Life with Kaka. And I'll see you next week. Beijos.